0: What's up, pod people? This is the Colby Daniels podcast, episode one. I am, in fact, Colby Daniels. So this is my new project. And basically, I'm doing this to give me something to do during the daytime. Mostly because Little Man and I are here hanging out and he loves podcasting. So there's going to be, there's going to be moments that you hear him in the background. It's inevitable. There are also going to be moments where I put a headset on him and put him in front of the microphone. And I just record and let him go crazy. We're going to call that two minutes with Carter Daniels. You'll get 120 seconds to say what you got to say. So when I do that, and we we have done that for this episode, I'll just throw those at the end of the episode. You can also look for it in the description because it's not going to be every time. There are certainly going to be episodes where the content is not suitable for a three-year-old to be listening to. So anyway, that's how that's going to go. So if you could do us a favor when you listen to this, subscribe to the podcast and rate the podcast. I will literally beg you. Please, 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 please.
1: Please, 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 please.
0: Subscribe.
1: Surprise.
0: Subscribe.
1: Surprise.
0: Surprise. Okay, fair enough. And rate the podcast. So here you go. This is episode one, the Colby Daniels podcast. All right, my guest today is a good friend of mine. Uh, if you listen to the Shots You Take podcast, he uh, told a story in episode number one, the Pooh Guy story. You will like this. So somebody messaged me and asked me if you were my producer. <laughs> and I was like, he's not the producer, but he's not, not the producer. Just like being an idiot, you know, like I'm just, just being funny. And I was like, that's what I should start calling him. Like, I, I should just start calling you the not, not producer. Cause you're not the producer.
2: I'm a co-producer of the CDLS. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you're not, not the producer either.
2: <laughs> What's going on, man? I don't know much. Just, uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I'm kind of speechless. Lots just, of, lots of, uh, zoom meetings and shit like that. Lots of zoom, uh, new career, uh, just trying to stay afloat and stay of the world.
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we're all going through that. I mean, I'm in an industry that isn't happening right now. So, you know, it's like, uh. I get it. I totally get it.
2: But it's an interesting time too for you because I mean like how often are people like you know like the Last Dance and then the Maguire Sosa documentary. I mean, we're revisiting a lot of history, which is kind of cool. That part of it's you know, pretty
0: cool. Yeah. yeah. I like revisiting like, revisiting those Jordan days obviously as a <laughs> as a Jordan fan. It was fun to kind of take the look behind the scenes because You never really felt like you had that in the 90s to kind of get a glimpse into what it was actually like and then kind of go through your mind in that whole web of like, how would that have played out if it happened today in the world of social media and everything Jordan was doing was magnified to the point it was because, I mean, he was feeling the pressure of everything he did and he was such a massive star, but he was feeling the pressure of everything he did in the 90s, can you imagine what that would be like on his shoulders in, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020 with the social media and the availability to everything and nothing is private? Like, he did a fairly good job of keeping a lot of stuff that didn't happen on the court pretty quiet.
1: hmm
2: exactly. You know, with <clears throat> Jordan, he didn't even need the publicity, you know? I mean, it was just back in the day, I mean, man, it was a household name.
0: He preferred it that way. He superseded the sport. He was... He was so much bigger than just basketball. I mean, mm-hmm. people that had never watched a basketball game in their life knew who Michael Jordan was. So it would be it would be really interesting to see how that played out in in 2020. And to your point about, you know, the long gone summer 30 for thirty, I think that one's interesting too, because how does that play out if it happens now as opposed to nineteen ninety-eight? Did you watch it? I did. Nah, I wasn't able to see it. <laughs> I I didn't think it was as well done as a lot of other thirty for thirties, and I felt like it was I never really felt like watching that they did justice to what the just the rabid fandom around that chase like I didn't really feel like they did the chase any justice with just how crazy it was day in day out around McGuire and Sosa and every single game people wanting to know if they hit a home run and and not to say that they ignored it but i mean that's that summer was all about those dudes going yard and every one of us was checking box scores or watching sports center i mean it was it was oh. mania it was home run yeah. mania in 1998 and I don't know. It just kind of, it kind of felt flat in that regard in terms of them trying to portray what that was. And there were so many times that, I mean, they're playing the radio calls of these home runs and then showing just B roll of the cities while you hear like show what those stadiums look like show the home run, show the people going crazy, show the people chasing after home run balls, show the lines to get into the buildings on those days. How were people searching out, you know, to the, the news to find out what those dudes had done. And it, You know, like they were selling out stadiums. The Cardinals weren't even in the playoff race. They did one interview where a guy's like, We weren't in the playoff race and we were sold out every night because people were only there to see McGuire. And so like you have that, but it it was never really like played up to the point that I thought it should have been. It was a two hour documentary about the home run chase. And so much of it was like the backstory of McGuire, the backstory of Sosa, you know, the, uh, obviously the steroid part of it, but the mm-hmm. actual chase and the day-to-day of the chase and all of that, I, I, that's kind of the ride I wanted to take.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I remember being a kid and waking up at 6 AM waiting on the paper to be delivered, you know, to the driveway and ripping that open to the sports section to see who hit one, you know? And of course, me <clears throat> being a Cardinal and Maguire fan, I was always pulling for him, but it was like, oh, man, you know, Sosa's getting closer, you know, and I remember thinking, you know, Sosa had it at, at some point, so, you know, and then Maguire would come back, and, you know, and then you had Griff. Did they talk about Griffey at all?
0: Yeah, Griffey was involved in it a little bit, and they did a little backstory on, you know, it was such a sacred record and obviously all the hate that Roger Maris received for breaking it, and then... That- uh-huh. You know, the person that was going to break it kind of had to be like the chosen one, the anointed one, so to speak. And so everybody, you know, they they kind of pointed the finger at Griffey as being that guy. That was going to be an acceptable superstar because he was so good in so many ways to be the one to break the home run record. And, you know, obviously Mark McGuire was was in that group as well. And, and you know, Griffey was in the chase for most of the year. And, you know, those last couple months or whatever it was, he ends up falling off. But yeah, they he was in it a little bit.
2: So let me ask you this. What is the home run record? 73. Here, 73. Okay. I read an well, article a couple years ago when, um, what was it? I guess about three years ago when John Carlo hit like 59. Oh, yeah. Didn't he hit 59? He did. Because I wanted to go see him play with like two games left thinking he could get there. And they were talking about, you know, what's the real home run record? Is it 60? You know, is it Ruth? Because didn't Maris get more games than Ruth?
0: Yeah, I think they went from yeah. like 156 to 162 or whatever yeah. that the year that Maris broke it. Yeah.
2: Right. So Maris had a. So is it 60? Is it 61? Is it 70? Is it 73? You know, what's the. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I think that a season is a season. And it's hard to say, well, he had more games because we don't do that in other sports, right? Like. Mm-hmm. College football is a perfect example. Like, there are dudes. I mean, college football ga- seasons now are 12 games for everybody. And then you get a 13th if you play in a conference championship game. Potentially, you get two more if you're a team that wins a playoff game and then goes and plays in the national championship. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't like asterisk those things and say, well, he didn't, he, he had like five more games than somebody else, which is also why Barry Sanders' record for rushing in college football is so incredible. They didn't even count his bowl stats when he rushed for 2,600 yards. But to the Marist point, yeah, six more games, I get it. If you're a fan of Ruth, technically, did he have more opportunities? Sure. But it was a season. That's The problem is the three guys that with Bonds, McGuire, and Sosa, of the top six home run seasons in Major League history, Bonds has the best at 73. Mm-hmm. But then Bonds doesn't even have another season where he hit more than 50, right? Like, how crazy is that? Bonds goes for 73 that one year, and I think his next best season is like 45. Yeah. And then the next five best home run seasons in history are sandwiched in this like three-year gap, two of them for McGuire and three of them for Sosa. Like, that's that's kind of what makes it difficult to, if you're, a, if you're a fan of baseball, you're a fan of the record or any of that, that's probably what kind of makes it hard to be like, yeah, I totally, I totally accept those records and I totally accept those guys doing what they did because never in the history of baseball have we seen anything like we saw for those six individual seasons, one for Bonds, two for McGuire and three for Sosa, where they all had 60 plus. We've never seen it. And, and six times in the span of like three years, it happened or four years or whatever it was. The juice was good back then. The juice was really good. <laughs> yeah. Well and then I I had completely forgotten, but Sammy Sosa was suspended for a corked bat later on, which certainly didn't help his his cause. (laughs) I don't know, man. It's like what's even going on with baseball right now?
2: You know, it's just it's so bad. It's uh, you know, I keep reading now they can't even (laughs) they're reaching an agreement. They said they reached an agreement and then M L B B A or BPA is coming out and saying, No, no, we didn't, you know, just
0: Yeah, every other day it's uh, like, okay, we're close. This is probably going to get done. Players come out and they're like, we're ready to play. Let's go. Let's do it now. And then you, I don't know if you read any of Trevor Bauer's tweets the other day. It's pretty believable, I think. So I don't know what the situation is, but I will say this about both sides. It's wild to me that baseball has continued to decline in popularity for as long as it has. And we reached this point in 2020 where... Everything lines up perfectly for them to be under the spotlight and have the main stage to themselves in a time where the entire country is craving sports of any kind,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: anything they can get their hands on. The country wants to watch if it's a sporting event and you have the chance to not only win back people that you lost, but potentially gain new generations of fans and you can't And you can't figure out how to how to put it together and how to do it, and you're you're so short-sighted on just twenty twenty that you don't capitalize on what playing this year could mean for twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two and potentially the next two or three generations of baseball.
2: I'll just keep playing the show, man. <laughs> That's all I've been doing. I've just been tweaking out on the show until about two AM. How many morning. hours
0: of the show have you played so far? I don't know. <laughs>
2: I'm on. Uh, I only do that Road to the Show. Yeah, uh, and uh, I'm on season six now. Okay. Well, I've been playing the game forever. It's a great
0: game. So I bought. I bought the show. I don't remember when it was. I've got two Road to the Shows going though. Mm-hmm. One is a pitcher, and one is a shortstop, and I'm in season five of both. <laughs> Are you with your original team? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely either. not
2: it's like, so you control the player for people that don't know you control the player, but you don't control the GM, the GM is total. Yeah. So I'm playing with the Orioles who are terrible. Yeah, absolutely. And we finally get to like 90 games, make the wild card. And I'm like, okay, all right guys, you know, we'll, we'll now we're finally on track here. And then they traded me (laughs) (laughs) after I won the triple crown (laughs) and they traded me to the damn Marlins. Well, and, uh, and
0: the worst part of the game is once you make the, the majors, you're probably playing for a bad team. And that's probably the reason why you got, got the jump is because the team mm-hmm. sucks. Yeah. So, so they, you know, they bring you up and so you're playing on this terrible team, but you're playing really well and your numbers are great. And you request a trade and then they send you to a good team. And then you're a backup the rest of the season because that team already has a dude that has a higher overall rating than you. Yeah. And so you're oh. a backup for like a season but- or two.
2: As soon as they traded me, the Marlins, you know how your your uh, agent calls you? And he's like, hey, how's the trade going? And I think I said, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and so then like, okay, okay, I'll work on it is what he says. Yeah. When it's like the all-star break, hey, I'm still not, you know, having luck with that trade. So then I ended up playing the whole first year with the Marlins. And so before spring training, he's like, hey, do you still want to get traded? I'm like, hell yes, get me out of here. <laughs> and so then he's like, well, no. Off pitch the idea of the Marlins. Dude, it's almost the all-star break again. Some of us like two years into yeah. this. Yeah. And of course I kill it on my arbitration.
0: <laughs> yeah. The shortstop player I have going, I demanded a trade, they wouldn't trade me. And so I got this idea. <laughs> that backfired. <laughs> it actually no, it actually worked. The idea was if I just play so bad. Well, you have to be good in a way. So like my batting average was great. I was hitting home runs and driving in runs, but every time I got on base, I, I would steal no matter what. I would steal every time I got on base, and I would, I would get thrown out every single time. And so they benched me and told me to quit stealing when they don't give me permission. Yeah. So I kept doing it, and they traded yeah. me, and I was like, yes! Then they traded me to Baltimore, who was even worse, and as soon as I got there, I demanded a trade, never even played a game there, and they sent me to uh, Milwaukee.
2: So who are the top three teams you'd like to play for? And why
0: (laughs) they might be different for, for a pitcher and a hitter.
2: That's true. I don't, I don't know what kind of algorithms they have as far as like pitcher friendly ballparks and stuff like that. You know, I mean, for me, it'd be like, I think I'm looking at the angels Padres and Rockies just because like if i play play in the Rockies and Padres division, I love San Francisco state. There's not a stadium I don't like in that division.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Arizona. I like, I like uh, San Diego's. I like Dodger stadium. You know, it's always fun to play at course. I played the home run derby at course field. It was awesome.
0: Nice. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that plays a big role for me hitter. My, so every time my dude plays in Colorado, his numbers at the end of that series are just stupid, ridiculous. That's definitely in there. I always love playing at San Diego to your point. That's one of my favorite ballparks. You know, this will surprise you. I, I love yeah. playing at Bush, though.
2: It's a great state, man. I've been to that stadium about yeah. 60 times. Yeah. It's it's an incredible stadium. So,
0: yeah, so I guess if I get to play in the NL Central, like it's nice to. I wouldn't want to play for the Cardinals, but that's the only redeeming quality about playing with the Brewers because they. I don't like. I don't like their stadium either. On the game, at least. I mean, I'm sure in real life it's fantastic, but oh yeah, uh, very hidden from it's very hitter friendly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love playing at Fenway. Um, the problem is if you're in the AL East, Tampa sucks. Baltimore sucks. I don't mind Baltimore so I don't like much. playing at Baltimore. I don't like playing to Toronto.
2: No, I can't wait to see that game on PS. Have you seen the PS5 commercials yet? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I want, yeah, I'm going to get that thing. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's all we have to do now as far as sports is watch old games or play video games.
0: Well, especially if Rob Manfred decides that he's uh, just going to continue going down this path where we have no idea what's really going on, but we all kind of think that baseball is just being greedy again.
2: Yeah, with no sports, people are going through their, you know, card collections now.
0: Yeah. have some cards skyrocket. You know, I know people that I didn't even know were card collectors Mm -hmm. that I've discovered were card collectors throughout this because they're, you know, they're talking about it and posting it on social media and all that. But like, I'm like, oh yeah, I I did that forever and still dabble a bit.
2: I've read that man, sports cards are actually like a worthwhile investment. I never would have like thought of them as an investment really, Yeah. you know, and then i start looking at the cards I bought on eBay.
0: Except for everything from the 80s and 90s, or like 95% of everything from the 80s and 90s. Unless it's like
2: graded at a 10. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of that stuff. Yeah.
0: The graded thing, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't i don't know how I feel about it in terms of like what it does for me with the hobby, because it's like, mm-hmm. if you really want things to be worth so much more, you've got to spend all this other money to get the cards you already have graded. You spend all this money on cards and then you have to like spend three times that amount of money to get all the good stuff graded. And yeah. it's, yeah.
2: Well, like if I have a card, you know, and I think it's, uh, it's basically me giving it the eye test first, you know, do I think this is worth it? If not, if I can't get the card graded at like a nine or 10, you know, I don't think there's much point, but you know, if I can go sell a, a 10 ungraded, let's say if I send it in and it was graded at 10, if I sell it on eBay, let's say I get 50 bucks for it. Yeah. But I send it in grade. I think it's like twenty five to get it graded or something with Beckett. So if I send it in for twenty five, I'm at you know I put twenty five into it. I might be able to sell it for two hundred. Yeah. So I it, I guess it's just maximizing your profit, really.
0: Did you uh, did you load up on McGuire cards?
2: I did not recently. I I had before. I <laughs> I've got.
0: Because, like, all before the yeah. last dance series started, all the Jordan memorabilia like skyrocketed.
2: Yeah, so I've been paying attention to it with McGuire. Uh, not I mean, I've seen a lot for sale. It hasn't gone up like I thought it would. It's gone up a little bit, but not like astronomical values or anything like the Jordans. Yeah. and I think even like a couple weeks before, was it called the summer of what? ninety eight or
0: whatever? Long gone summer.
2: Long gone summer, you know, about two weeks before that was released is when I started seeing kind of the peak of Meguiar's, you know, I mean, I, I probably got between two and 3,000 Meguiar cards. Oh, you know, <laughs> two or 3,000
0: <laughs> know, just Mark McGuire cards.
2: Oh yeah. Easy. But that was like, you know, I bought some off eBay two or three years ago and I bought like a thousand off a guy yeah. for like 50 bucks or something on eBay before all this started. Uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've got a lot of Mark McGuire cards. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't even know what two or three thousand of one card would look like.
2: Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, man. It's all awesome. insane. But like, but to your point, it's a lot of '80s and '90s stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, which only, which we all we all still have a lot of.
2: Oh yeah, you know, but you some like I've got some graded, I've got some autograph stuff by McGuire. So, but what I'm seeing is like. In some of like the really old cards, like I've bought some uh 1906, 1908 cards, Christy Matthewson, some other Hall of Famers about three or four years ago. Man, all those cards have like doubled and tripled in value just in like two or three years.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's pretty interesting. So I see a lot of
2: the real vintage stuff going up.
0: What's uh, what's the name of the guy that you uh, that you recommended? Mark, uh, I'm trying yeah. to remember his name. Uh, anyway, he's going to come on the podcast in like a sweet. week or two. That's awesome. How has the hobby changed? What mm-hmm. are you seeing as far as trends and old stuff, new stuff, the the junk era? How is all of that impacted? And so yeah, he's gonna he's gonna come on the pod in like a week or two and
2: sweet. Yeah, that that guy like follows trends like crazy, man. It's, he's like, it's like the stock
0: market. Yeah,
2: like yeah. exactly. He's like a stock broker of cards. Yeah, it's super it's interesting.
0: Awesome.
2: So yeah, real interesting stuff.
0: I'm excited to talk like- to him. You know, I haven't done
2: real well in the stock market in the last year. I bought basically a lot of oil stocks and a lot of marijuana stocks. (laughs) But then I bought. So you broke even. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) But with the baseball cards that I bought in that same time frame, I'm looking at like five six hundred percent increases. Wow. You know, it's like okay, so like I I bought I bought a marijuana stock when it IPO for like (laughs) six bucks. I think it went up to about twenty at one point, and then I think I sold it at about what I bought it for. Just cause I'm like, I'm just done with this. I bought a 1933 Babe Ruth in that same time frame for like 1900 and it sold on eBay for four grand last month. You know, so I'm wow. like, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it, man. as long-term investments. So yeah. I think that's what I'm gonna start looking at. Well, what about the,
0: the the Trout card?
2: Oh, the trout. Yeah, so I bought a trout card two years ago, I think. It's his 20, I think it's 2011 Tops Update. The
0: update rookie card, yeah.
2: Yeah, with with it being in the update series, you know, it's not like mass produced. So I bought PSA, which is one of the top grading authorities. I bought it at a nine. The highest you can get is 10. So I bought the nine for 200 bucks. That is just, I I just felt really good about the investment at the time because I was like, this card ain't going to go down at 200 bucks. Right. So it's selling for like 1500 now. My only regret is that I didn't buy like five or six more, you know, that, that card, I think that card to me is going to be, you know, my favorite cards are probably the 89 upper deck Griffey rookie. That's just kind of a staple of the hobby. Especially
0: for for our age, because, I mean, we were like nine years old at the time, and that was kind of like the peak of our collecting. Yeah. And that was like the most iconic card you could own.
2: That And and it was
0: Upper Deck's, you know, introduction, which... That eighty nine Donruss, no oh god, which was just a terrible card, <laughs> and from a look standpoint, it just you know it, it wasn't appealing at all. Or like Upper Deck comes out and you are like, holy shit, they had pictures on the back, and it was just like mind blowing how amazing and superior it was in every way.
2: Yeah, but for me, it's the eighty nine Upper Deck Griffey, the fifty two Tops Mantle, and maybe the twenty eleven Trout. I think are just going to be some of the staples of that of that hobby. And if you look at the fifty two Mantle, you look at that card and it, and you can look at that card and just look at the industry that card sold in 2006 i think a, P, a psa 9 for 288,000 that same card in 2016 or 17 sold for 2.88 million so from 288,000 to 2.88 million in 10 years yeah like who's not going to make that investment
0: well, here's the thing about, you know, what's what's crazy from the era the 80s and 90s when, you know, we were growing up and collecting cards to to now, I think people got the impression that cards weren't worth anything, right? It it was just that era. The old stuff never quit being worth money. It was still worth a lot of money, but I think a lot of people just said, I'm done with this because all the stuff they had gathered in the 80s and 90s was worthless. But the old stuff never quit being extremely valuable.
2: Yeah, well, to your point, it's like, I think when we were, you know, collecting back in the early 90s, I think you and I both had Beckett subscriptions. Yeah. And I, I remember going through the whole Beckett, what's the most expensive card in here? you know, and it was that 52 tops mantle. And I can remember it being in Beckett when I was 13, 14 years old for like 24 grand, bro. I would take out a second mortgage on my house right now to put up the money to buy that card. You're talking 24 grand in like 93, yeah. 94. Yeah. And like 2019, you know what that car 2.2 is? is that what you said? a graded a graded nine i think i think recently a nine a nine maybe a ten i think there's only a couple tens that are out there dude I, I don't even know i think four or five million you might want to look that yeah. i don't have it
0: you yeah. know i'll look it up but,
2: but yeah man like those cards dude i mean i think i saw sh- some guy and his dad were going through his dad's collection that his brother gave him or something recent. this is like within the last month and they found uh A Shoeless Joe, Cracker Jack, like from 1915, It sold at auction for half a million dollars recently. Oh, I mean, people are buying, you know what I'm saying? It's crazy, dude. There's all kinds of auction places out there doing high end stuff right now.
0: Especially for our age. I think, you know, a lot of people have kids that are at least at that age where, you know, they're, they're maybe sharing the hobby that they grew up with, with their kids. And the other thing is, you know, everybody's at home and quarantining and and finding ways to entertain themselves and going through their old collections. And look, you're also not out spending money on the the same things that you were. So if you're going through your old collection, it probably in some way creates some sort of like nostalgic feeling and and kind of reboots the thing, right? Exactly.
2: um, That's the articles I've read. Everybody's at home with nothing better to do. Let's break out the baseball cards, you know? crazy dude yeah just crazy
0: yeah i bought three packs of tops the other day i was checking out the store and they had like a box there and so i just grabbed like three of them opening packs of cards is one of those things that will always just kind of give me like that warm fuzzy feeling in my stomach whether you get anything great or not it's just kind of like buying a lottery ticket right like it's like the casino yeah it's just kind of like yeah, you get that really rush not- of even even tops that isn't worth anything necessarily, but it's still like kind of the thrill of it. Yeah, yeah. Here, baby, blow on this pack before I open it. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever have a pack opening superstition? Uh
2: man, yeah, I wash my hands. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't call that a superstition. That's not really yeah. a superstition. That's more of like, but not a, well, I, I you like were, to,
0: Okay, how about this? If you were yeah. grabbing cards out oh, of literally. a box, did you go like a certain corner every time or like, would you pull one directly off the top, or did you dig a little bit? Like, did you? I like
2: to pretend I have ESP. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and like touch it. And I just let my,
2: I just let my hand guide me, kind <laughs> of. You know, it doesn't work. Yeah. Now it's just I buy the whole damn box.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like,
2: hey, is this, you know, has any of these packs been touched? No. Okay, so I know what's in them.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, I can remember emptying the, you know, the the change jars in the house. Yeah. To I just bought, go buy whatever packs you could afford.
2: I've bought way too many boxes in like the last five years, too many stupid. I think now what I'm going to do is just try to like get singles cheap, you know, guys, I think will do real well. Like I think a guy that has potentials, you know, Zion, honestly, Zion Uh, and then with baseball, you know, I look at how are they doing in the minors? Because those guys don't ever pop. I mean, sometimes you get guys like the hype's overblown, the guys that haven't even reached double-A yet. It's just yeah. so hard to, like, predict if a guy's going to do anything if he hadn't reached double-A yet. I mean, there's, you know, like with Bryce Harper, guys like that, you just kind of knew, you know, what he was going to do. Um, but now it's, you know, one guy that I really like that's young, uh, you know, is a guy actually for the Cardinals, uh, Dylan Carlson. Yeah, You know, he, he's a guy that I've, like, been really trying to get a lot of his stuff. Uh, he was the uh, Texas player of the year, Texas league player of the year for A last year. So, and then when he got called up for A, he was just mashing. And then, like, spring training, <laughs> seems like three years ago. <laughs> but back in spring training, back in March, he was crushing it. He was killing spring training. So, I like him. I've been buying a lot of his stuff trying to, you know – get a stockpile of him going. I think he might pop. So it's yeah. just kind of, it's really fun because it, you, you get to look at it in a different way. You're almost like your own scout, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like, I, I haven't been a full-time collector in a long time, but I would say, so I quit collecting probably around like what, 15, 16 ish. Uh, yeah. and then right around my mid twenties, I kind of restarted. And a lot of that was cut because of eBay like I was, I was moving and I was going through a bunch of my old stuff, and I had you know the, the big plastic tubs just full of cards. And so as I'm moving, like I came across those, and I was like, "Do I want them? Do I not want them?" And so I started going through them, and again, it kind of like, you know, it was so nostalgic. It just kind of like re-energized me for the hobby. So I, I started buying cards like crazy again, like in the mid 2000s, and then with the emergence of eBay, like all of a sudden, you know, when we were kids maybe a card shop would have the single you were looking for if you never scored it in a pack but like it just wasn't as easy to go get a specific card that you wanted and now like you have access to anything like any oh, card yeah. so like I so then I got on this this kick of like and some of them are worthless today but it was just like cards that I always wanted as as a kid I yeah. went and, like bought them all and some of them were like uh, dollar cards but it was just like yeah. it was just fun to go get the cards that I like was chasing for so long and never what, got what, via eBay. What were some of those cards? There was a Bo Jackson card and it wasn't any like anything worth anything. It was just a cool Bo Jackson card that yeah, I wanted yeah, that yeah. I just never had. Um yeah. the very first card I ever bought from a card shop was I think it was like a 91 Fleer Bo Jackson Raiders card. Like again, completely worthless. Yeah. Yeah, But like, it was just nostalgic to me because that was the first time I'd ever gone to a card shop. First single I had ever bought and it's completely worthless now, but like, it's one of those cards that I love. Like, it's like, it's uh, so I went and bought that. Cause I don't know whatever happened to my, I, I actually, I do. I traded it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. So, so Do I have it? <laughs> you might have it actually. Um, Pete Lecoq card. The Pete Lecoq card. <laughs> I would totally, I, I, I would totally buy a Pete Lecoq card now just to yeah. like have it in the collection. <laughs> for those that don't know, Peter LeCocq, was a uh, was he an infielder? I think so. For like the Brewers? Or am Maybe I wrong there?
2: the Royals or something.
0: The Royals, that's it. The
2: Royals, okay.
0: I mean, they kind of had similar uniforms yeah. at that point in time, right?
2: Yeah, some of these baseball players' names. You got Nicole, Peter. It was Kansas City and, and Chicago. Who okay. was his dad? He was on some show.
0: He was on a show, yeah. Peter LeCocq, former... Uh, First baseman outfielder for the Royals. And yeah. you got Dick Pohl. Dick Pohl. That's a solid name. Rusty. Is it Koontz? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that pronunciation. I, You know what card I always wanted? I always wanted the the Bill Ripken fuckface card. I still want that card. It's on my I don't EMA have it. Yeah, list. I don't have it. I need to get that, yeah. Dude, what does that one do, go for now? Do you know? Uh, I
2: mean, if it's graded or ungraded, it's... Yeah, well, I think with that card, uh, I think there's a lot of fakes out there actually. So there's like three or four different variations of that card. There's like a edited version, like with a black box on it. Right. For people
0: that I don't know. I had that know, one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. For people that don't know it, basically somebody wrote "fuckface" face on the, on the end knob of his bat, And so. When he took his, his photo it was a Fleer, was a Fleer card. I yeah. It was think. a
0: Fleer card. It was that, yeah. that gray Fleer series that had the, the white stripes 89, I think something yeah. like that. Yeah.
2: And uh, yeah, it showed it in the picture. Well, so there's like, there's like a white out version. There's like a blackout version. I think there's a black square. I think there's a black circle. And then there's of course the unedited version that Fleer didn't catch. Yeah. I want that card. Yes. That's one of the, like that one. Um, uh, you know, I was wanted a Ricky Henderson, 79 tops rookie,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, uh, Ozzie Smith, I think 78 rookie tops. So I, I went back and bought all those. You know, I, I bought a lot of guys from the guys we watched growing up that went to the Hall of Fame, like Sandberg, Boggs, Gwynn, Eddie Murray, yeah, people like that.
0: Kirby Puckett, like all those bought, guys. Yeah, all
2: their, yeah I yeah. went and bought all their stuff, you know?
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. I, I did I did a lot of the same. And anyway, so my collection ended up morphing into what you're talking about in the mid-2000s where like, so I had like a probably two or three year stretch where I really got back into it. And I bought a bunch of cards, went back in time and bought a bunch of stuff that I didn't have and then like started buying all the current stuff. So there's like a stretch of like from 2004 to like maybe 2006 where I just have a whole bunch of, of random stuff. And then because of the availability with eBay and being able to buy individuals as as easily as you could, because, like, let's say you wanted the the Griffey upper deck card, right? Like, I can't tell you how much money as a kid I spent buying 89 upper deck, and I never pulled one.
2: I did that, with like, two years ago. <laughs> you
0: bought boxes?
2: Dude, I bought a box. I bought, like, I probably bought, like, 70 or 80 packs. Yeah. Didn't pull one.
0: Right. Yeah. Like, I spent... I, God no, probably hundreds of dollars on '89 Upper Deck, and never pulled a Griffey yeah. card. And Which so that, that was that was one of the ones yeah. I bought during that time period. That like I got on eBay and immediately just went and found a you know I think it was like a fifty dollar. I spent fifty bucks on it, and it was like yeah. especially because that was like the crown jewel of the collection at the at that time. Oh, absolutely. So, so when <laughs> when I discovered you could do that, the collection kind of shifted to. I'm just going to kind of target guys that I think are going to be really good in their mm-hmm. rookie seasons, and I'm yep. just going to load up on their rookie cards. Yep. and that basically just became the collection. Like everything else was whatever, but I'm going to try to, th- uh, in their rookie years, identify guys that I think are going to because it kind of becomes a game a little bit. Oh yeah, identify you- guys that you think are going to become superstars and just buy their buy you know buy up their rookie cards and do whatever you can and and see what
2: they end up being. Dude, I I banked on Cody Bellinger that paid off. You did. You did. I bought so many Cody Bellinger stuff, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and even got him to sign a couple of baseballs. Um, yes, you did. Yeah. I I have one of those
0: actually sitting behind me.
2: Yeah. And to get yours, I had to like get humiliated by Cody a little bit. (laughs) Cause like he signed mine, no problem. And then you were running late for the game. And, uh, I was like, man, I got to get one for Colby. And, uh, I said, hey, man, will you sign another one? My buddy's running late. And he just gave me this <sighs> shrug, like, really, dude? But
0: he signed it. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, of course, that's two weeks before he even got called up for the Dodgers. Two weeks later,
0: know? he gets called up, yeah.
2: And, and oh, it just, was just, ricky, and just to it. his hair, yeah. 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 And now an MVP. Now an MVP. Yeah. I don't, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't like his swing. I love it. I love Cody Bellinger's swing. It's one of my favorite swings. I think it's a beautiful swing. Yeah. Just not. I mean, I How mean much just,
0: of that yeah. has to do with, like, the, the straight-up, like, stand-tall stance before the swing?
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's his bat speed, too, man. Yeah. It's just... And his it, bat speed's know, crazy. Yeah, and the follow-through. Yeah. You know, it's just... That, that dude's unreal, man. Because,
0: like, Griffey's was... Griffey kind of had the stand-up straight stance as well, but, like, it was so fluid going mm-hmm. into the motion, whereas Bellinger's is kind of a jolt... When he goes into the motion, right? Like it's It's not, yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's very quick. Right. You know, man, I just, I don't know. I had a feeling about that, dude. Yeah. I mean, do you know anything of, let's say they don't play a season. What's going to happen with these guys' contracts? Like guys that were supposed to be free agents after this year. Dude, I was just
0: having this conversation with a buddy of mine yesterday. Okay. Like just for an example... Yeah. I'll, give, I'll give you an example. So like Mookie Betts—that's Mookie Betts, the example I was okay. going to use. The okay. Dodgers sent what, like four prospects to Boston for Mookie Betts. Yeah, some good ones too. If they don't play, Mookie Betts is a free agent for next year.
2: That's how it works. Like,
0: it, yes, the Dodgers that's could good. potentially have traded for Mookie Betts and and potentially lose him without him ever playing a game for them.
2: Yeah, because they sent Verdugo. I love Verdugo. Yeah. yeah, you know that's
0: crazy, man. Right? That's insane. Well, Chris Bryant, right? Is he going to be? I think Chris Bryant's in that group. The free agent list is pretty impressive going into mm-hmm. next offseason. So,
2: oh, it's going to be a
0: madhouse. Yeah, who even knows what, if they don't have a
2: season? Who who even knows what's going to baseball going to look like?
0: A part of me is like, I want to be the guy that's like, I'm done with baseball, but I know that's <laughs> not true. Like for his for his like. As much as it pisses me off and and as upset as I am about them like going through all of this fuckery, like I'll still watch it. I'm not going to be like I'm done cuz I'm I won't be. When it comes back, I'm going to be watching. But there's so many people that don't love it like that. That's the thing. Like we are a rare breed, I feel like, yeah. of people that well, love it to that degree.
2: Yeah, we made it through the strike and steroids. I mean, dude, how old were we? 94, right? So we were like 13. Yeah. Like in the midst of like our baseball fever, you know? Yeah. Dude, how heartbroken were you in ninety four? Absolutely. As a kid. Yeah. No baseball. What?
0: Yeah. How but I was broken? I was geeked in ninety five when it came back.
2: Yeah. And then like and then of course what happened in ninety eight, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> there are a lot of people that are just they're like baseball's fine. They watch in the postseason. They don't really pay attention to the, you know, the dog days of summer. Those people aren't gonna aren't gonna keep watching. The postseason, even for some people, takes place during football season. And yeah. and it's still secondary. If the World Series is up against, uh, you know, a Monday night football game or something like that, there are a lot of people that are, they're watching football.
2: Yeah. It's just nuts how much everything's changed with this deal. Yeah.
0: Do you want to go make millions of dollars and be in a bubble? Sure. or Or not make millions <laughs> of dollars and not be in a bubble? I don't, I, like, I don't know. Like, it's... <laughs> I get it's apples and oranges. I'm not one of those people that likes to compare you and I's situation to professional athlete's situation because it's apples and oranges and what we do in our jobs is never comparable to what they do in their jobs. Mm-hmm. But to some degree, this pandemic has put us all in the same boat. It's all impacting our ability to make money. I'm going in the bubble no matter what to make yeah. money.
2: Yeah. Just crazy, man. Just yeah. crazy. Baseball had every every opportunity and they blew it.
0: <laughs> yeah. They had the red carpet laid out. To be in the spotlight for months and to to show the show the country their product, to gain new generations of fans, to bring back people that they've lost in the past, it's absolutely wild to me that they couldn't figure it out and still haven't. A lot of players said that Manfred was bluffing when he basically said he wasn't 100% sure now and that that there's a chance the season doesn't happen. Even with all this playing out the way it is, there are a lot of people that I think are turned off by just the idea of baseball even when it does come back now. Because this thing has been such a cluster. And the other thing is, again, I, it's very hard for the general public who's been so impacted by, you know, COVID and everything that's happened to feel bad for professional athletes and not getting their full prorated pay, right? So, like, I think there's already this situation where the common fans, like, dude, I got laid off or, you know, I got furloughed or, you know whatever Every, you know everybody kind of has different situations some people have have had to take pay cuts i think just the common public is like so what if you have to take a pay cut that's the state the world is in right now and so i think there's already a little bit of bad blood in looking at the sport that way mm-hmm. in terms of just the payouts and how that's going to work but then secondly that they can't get through all of that and figure out some sort of of common ground to make the thing happen so it it just kind of feels like they've they've already lost whatever, you know, they had to gain out of this situation. Like, even if they do come yeah. back, it kind of feels like they've lost whatever they could have gained. I would watch tennis at this point. <laughs> Did you watch There's golf something.
2: last weekend? No, man. Uh-uh. Golf was I on? I really... You could do tennis really, but not be, golf? I, I don't know, man. I'll just watch, watch whatever. I mean, if I got something else, I've been going to the lake a lot, you know, doing a lot more outdoor stuff.
0: Well, that's that's <laughs> the other thing is like when this started, the weather was shitty. Yeah. And we didn't have that option. But, you know, as this thing has gone on, like the weather's nice now and you have so many more options of, of like just getting outdoors and mm-hmm. not being confined to your couch and what you're going to watch. I will say this, like I, UFC's killed it. I watch it from February through about August and then it just kind of gets put on the back burner because I I, I can't fit it in. When you also have so many other football games that you have to watch, you just find out the results and you go on. All of this has been like nothing else is going on and it's getting all the spotlight. And also the timeline of it has sped up tremendously because, you know, they had the break and now like they have all these fighters that are just ready to fight now. So... Sometimes I feel like in the fight world, one year feels like five years. You haven't seen a dude fight potentially for like six months. Right now, like everybody's fighting because like there was this dead period and now they're just trying to put out as much product as they can. So yeah. you're kind of getting to see a little bit of everybody at the same time. And that's pretty cool too.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, which is why I'm like baseball, you
0: fucking idiots. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> you see, did it, you know, Man, yeah. I remember having slumber parties and watching like UFC 3
0: oh yeah when on we, the VHS tapes yeah
2: yeah with the Gracies yep and Ken yeah. Shamrock yeah, yeah. Take how far that sports come man you know it's I mean it's you know because back, back then it was like HBO and Showtime boxing you know it's yeah. just amazing how that sports just overtaken boxing and even that Fury fight when was that March April, February it was it was February Monday. or March yeah See, that fight seems like three years ago.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I want to say it was like, I, I'm pretty sure actually it was the weekend before the shutdown. Yeah. I Because I, I think that was the last weekend I went out with friends and we went and watched it at Twin Peaks or something like that and had a big watch party for that fight. But yeah, it was that, that was yeah. like the last weekend before that, th- was it a Thursday night when the Thunder or a Wednesday night when the Thunder and the Jazz played? Oh yeah, that thing. Yeah. And then like the next day, everything was done. That's
2: crazy because, man, like, I mean, it just kind of started in Oklahoma City, it seems like. Yeah, it at least is. It's like, man, once it went from, you know, I had, I don't live there anymore, but I had people text me that were at the game, you know, hey, what's going on here? And so I'm checking Twitter, and I'm like, oh, crap, one of the Jazz players, you know, has it. And so they went from, you remember, they went into the locker rooms and, you know, discussed what they were going to do. Then they sit in everybody home, waited for everybody to get home, and like an hour after after everybody got home, it's like the NBA season's canceled. It's yeah. done. And I'm like, oh, wow, dude, this this thing just got real serious, man. Just nuts. And it just all kind of started at the
0: Thunder game. <laughs> yeah, and that feels like 18,000 years ago. It, COVID
2: time has been weird, man. Yeah. It's been, I can't keep track of weeks, like how, how long ago something was. I mean, just, it's been unreal, man.
0: It's it's like, for me, it's been tough to just find structure on a daily basis. You can, like, try to create new structure, but when you've been in a certain routine for so long, and then all of a sudden that's gone, I don't know. For me, it's just, it's really tough to find what works now. Dude, we were to quarantine real well when we were 21. There were weeks that we did quarantine really well when we were 21. <laughs>
2: we ate a Little Caesars pizza. Every day, have a pizza delivered every day, and then Tony Hawk for Tony. Yes, yeah, I think that was it.
0: <laughs> college football,
2: up. the college football oh, yeah, game. We played a lot of college football, we watched a lot of college football, but that you know, I just remember that one summer where it was nothing but Little Caesar's Pizza and Tony Hawk.
0: We would have those Tiger Woods tournaments too on the PlayStation. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: but and yeah, that, that was we like, go to the pool, yes, the apartment the pool blood during blood the day, yeah. yeah, played <laughs> water volleyball. And then just have people over, drink beers, and play Tony Hawk like all night long.
2: Of course, that pool would have been a Corona hot spot.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would have been. There were a lot of things exchanged <laughs> in that pool.
2: Gross, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll love this. So I was, I was, at, a, I was at a wedding this weekend. And uh, we were taking tequila shots. And so I was telling the, the story about getting hammered on tequila at a party in Edmond when there was a hot tub and a trampoline involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's It's still up here.
0: Yeah. You, you probably remember that one better than I do, but...
2: I, yeah, I do. It's pretty funny, man. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, is that movie old school? We're going streaky. We're going streak.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I wasn't trying to get anybody else to go but because I was dared to go, but yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Frank the Tank, you know, it's like uh, we're going streaking, and then all of a sudden he's by himself. That's basically what happened that night.
0: No, the two girls dared me to do it.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't there. Can I, is it okay? I mean. Yeah, go for it. All right. All I know is that there, there was some stuff going on in the hot tub and I was like, man, it was like five in the morning, dude. I don't even know whose house we were at. Yeah, And I'm just like, man, I'm going home. All of a sudden I pull out, pull out of the driveway. and I'm going down the street and all of a sudden I see you looking over the fence and all of a sudden you just jump over the fence with a beer in your hand, by the way, <laughs> you know, hashtag athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, dude, Colby's butt ass. <laughs> you know? And then all it was it's just like this dude, just like, I mean, kind of running wobbling <laughs> this beer running down the dang street, man. I mean, what street Santa, was it? It was Santa Fe yeah. running down the street, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, as happy as the day you were born with a beer in your hand, just running down the street. I'm like, And I just kept going. I was just like, dude, I don't even want to mess. I don't even know what's going on here.
0: Well, I was happy because that was my dare for some other things that had taken place. And I was just, I was happy to do it because I thought it's five in the morning. Like I can go run down the street naked. Nobody's going to see me. It'll be fine. On a Sunday. On a Sunday. Yeah. It was a Saturday night, Sunday morning. But then, uh. There were people. There were people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I got away. like, long yeah, story well, short, I got away. These girls wanted to play truth or dare. We're in the hot tub. So, like, I dared them to do a couple things. Like, they had to go, they had to strip down and go jump on the trampoline together, which, you know, everybody got a lot of enjoyment out of. They got dared to make out a few times. And I, I never really got dared to do anything bad until the point that it was like, okay, you have to go streak. And so, again, I just thought, all right, it's there, like five in the morning. Is
2: there a in streaking? <laughs>
0: Maybe I should pull this clip and send it to the legal counsel first. <laughs> For many reasons. <laughs> this anyway, that's,
2: that's a good one.
0: I think the smashing the guitar while well, on the top of your car story is pretty exceptional.
2: I did smash the windshield of the car. It was not with the guitar.
0: Oh, well, that's the way I heard it. I smashed
2: the guitar first, and then I kicked the windshield. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And there were, there were uh, people in black and white vehicles involved in that, in one, that too.
0: one too. So the way I, mean, I heard that story was you were hammered, yeah. you end up getting your guitar, you jump on top of your Camaro and you shatter the guitar on your windshield, breaking yeah. both. And then somebody said, Seth, why'd the hell, why the why the hell would you do that? And you looked around and yelled for rock and roll bitches.
2: So I was playing, I was pretty messed up and I was playing the guitar. I think I smashed it against my wall in my bedroom and then I took the guitar and threw it down this long hallway into the kitchen. And then there was two girls and they were like, Oh my gosh, Seth, you threw your guitar. And I was like, I know that, you know? Yeah. And they're like, for what? And it just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and I go in an English accent and said, for rock and row bitches. <laughs> like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> And then I went outside and that's what and, and you went
0: outside and went full rock star.
2: Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, just full rock star. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: That's a perfect example of like how stories though get, get relayed to people yeah. that aren't there and become like something much bigger yeah, because I go. wasn't there. I wasn't at that party, but right. that's the way that I heard it was and all those things happened, but you know, they were all put together in the story that I heard oh, happening yeah. like at once.
2: Oh, yeah. It would have been a great music video. But, yeah. Jumping on the car and busting out the windshield.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Anyway, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, the (laughs) not-not-producer. Because he's not the producer, but he's not-not-the-producer.
2: No, it's like, so, you know, when that whole CDLS thing started? Yeah. You know, I was like, dude, we were all like... (laughs) You know, it was funny to hear... You know, people that you know, your followers or whatever. Oh, the CD. I'm like, what is the CDLS stuff? Well, I didn't, like, it oh. I, right, I didn't make it up.
0: I that wasn't me. I didn't make it up. Right, but it's like, oh man, like, yeah, we were. <laughs> that was kind of our, our whole like group of friends. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm
2: like, that's just what we did. Yeah, you know, just whatever, just being stupid. Right. I mean, dude, I think about the stuff. Man, I don't know. I'm thinking about all the stuff we did like in our early
0: twenties. And
2: I'm just like, dude,
0: what, what are we doing, man? <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing there weren't camera phones, honestly, at the time.
2: Dude,
0: you know, I'm, I've
2: am i thought about that. I'm like, I mean, think about the kids now that are doing the stuff that we did. And they're like, put it on Instagram or yeah. like putting it on Facebook. And I'm like, can you imagine like, you know, your Facebook memories popping up, you know, once you have kids and stuff, and you're like, oh, here I was like 10 years and ago. And there's like, Seth going
0: for rock and roll, bitches. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't know, man. I, I think we grew up in an awesome time. The nineties were great, man. The sports, the music, yeah. you know, the movies. I mean, I'm so grateful we grew up when we did and not now.
0: <laughs> yeah. We had blockbuster,
2: man. Dude, kids, kids don't know, man, you know, in record stores,
0: record stores, you know, yeah.
2: Record stores, block uh, movie, movie rental stores. I mean, that was like half the fun in itself. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I mean, you know, like going to going to record stores, we could sit there and listen to like the record, you know, at the store, you know, and find what we like, and and, you know, and now it's just like point click buy, you know. It's just yeah, it's taken so much out of it. Where you know, I mean, the audio quality of a vinyl record is like so much better than a CD and so much better than an MP3. I mean, record stores have made a comeback, you know. You know, so well, like really how weird. many
0: times did we how many times were we looking for like some obscure CD or some obscure DVD and we would just drive from like CD warehouse to CD warehouse or like oh, from yeah. like Blockbuster to Blockbuster to like different movie stores like for for music and movies. It was a treasure hunt, man. Yeah, it's like that was yeah. that was kind of part of the fun was was, uh you know, being on the hunt for something and see seeing what you could find. And yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, exactly, man. It's not the uh, destination, it's
0: the journey, right? <laughs> yeah. Going to Blockbuster and on a Friday night. And yeah. Going I from mean, one end of the wall to the other end of the wall. I think
2: I saw a meme a while back and it said, kids today will never know the disappointment of pulling back <laughs> uh, the uh, cartridge at Blockbuster and seeing no movie behind it. <laughs> like, do you remember that? You're like, Absolutely, oh, yeah. Oh man, they don't have it. They're out. You know? Oh, let's go check the returns. I mean, that was the crazy thing, man. It's like, you had to like wait and like in today's society, it's just like, there's so much instant gratification now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's not like when we were growing up to where we actually had to learn patience.
0: Yeah. You know, which, which, (laughs) you know, we learned that, but they kind of dissolved as we got into this world as well. Right. Cuz I'm I'm just as guilty as everybody of, you know, oh, wanting yeah. instant gratification now, so yeah. Yeah, I, I get did it. always find it really strange though that when you went into a Blockbuster, so remember how they had the checkout desk was in the middle and you had an entrance door and an exit door. Yeah. So like I always found it weird how like when you went in the entrance door, when you started the movies right there like that was the Z section. If you wanted to start with that cuz they were in alphabetical order all the way around the store, right? With the new releases. Yeah, yeah. The A's were always on the exit side and it would wrap around to Z, which was on the entrance oh. side. At almost I, like I can't remember ever going into a Blockbuster where it was entrance side and you turned right, it started with the A's. I always remember coming in the entrance side and that's the Z's are right there, so you'd have to like walk past the desk to the other side of the store if you wanted to look at the new releases in alphabetical order all the way around the store. Mhm. And it's probably
2: set up like that for a reason <laughs> there, Yeah. For some reason that is, is yeah, way well, beyond you, you my intelligence
0: well. level, but all right, man, always appreciate right, it. My dude. friend. Thanks for having me, man. All right. Take care, brother. Uh, bye. All right. That was my buddy, Seth, the not, not producer joining us on the Colby Daniels podcast. So I told you at the beginning of this thing that, uh, sometimes the little man is in here with me. And so when he is, I'm going to throw the uh, headset on him and let him do like two minutes. And I'll just, uh, When that happens, I'll throw it at the end of these podcast episodes. My son loves podcasting. Do you love podcasting? Yeah. Say, this is two minutes with Carter Daniels on the Colby Daniels podcast.
1: It's this two minutes with Carter Daniels in the daddy podcast. What's up, dude? I'm good. You're good? (laughs) Yeah. What are you doing? I'm podcasting. Yeah?
0: What do you want to say? hi hi how are you
1: hi
0: do you want to sing a song no do you want to do like wheels on the bus or something
1: no
0: you want to tell a story yep tell me a story yep all right go (laughs) we're a minute into your two minutes bud (laughs) what else do you have to say (laughs) are you a goofball
1: I am. You are
0: a goofball.
1: What are you doing?
0: I'm podcasting. What are you doing?
1: I'm podcasting.
0: What'd you do today? Did you do anything fun? Yep. What'd you do?
1: <laughs> I'm going... You did what? I go bye-bye.
0: You went bye-bye? Where'd you go?
1: I did go up there, get milkshake, and, and the flower...
0: You got a milkshake and stuff for the flower bed?
1: Yep, I got a game milkshake.
0: That's right. All right, buddy. Good job. That's your two minutes. Yep. you wanna sing? Yep. Go ahead.
1: You was on the goes round and round. Round and round, round and round. You was on the goes round and round all through the town.
0: Good job, buddy. You did great. Proud of you. The two-minute podcast with Carter Daniels.